Hanukkah. 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 You're listening to Hanukkah Podcast, highlighting citizen Potawatomi Nation issues, members, and more. Paige Willett Nadeshnikas, Borewadme Ndao. I'm your host, Paige Willett, CPN tribal member and employee. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and rate us. On today's episode, we're talking with an artist whose work proclaims the history of Potawatomi homeland along the Chicago River in downtown Chicago, Illinois, and visiting CPN House of Hope's first Jump Start Day, designed to bring domestic violence and abuse services and information to the community in a positive and educational way. Grand Portage Band of Lake Superior Chippewa member and Chicago-based artist Andrea Carlson made a splash in 2021 when her piece, You Are on Potawatomi Land, was installed along the Riverwalk in downtown Chicago. It's comprised of five banners, each 15 feet high with a total width of 266 feet. They read, you're on Potawatomi land in bright red letters in both English and Potawatomi. The Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events of Chicago approached her to create a piece of public artwork, which she worked on for a year before installation along the river. She was inspired after learning about Williams versus the City of Chicago, a Supreme Court case from 1917, also known as the Sandbar Decision. The Pokagan Band of Potawatomi sued for ownership of the shoreline of what is now the Chicago River along Lake Michigan, where the banners now sit. The court sided with the city despite metropolitan expansion of the shoreline into unceded land never outlined in any previous treaty, including the treaties of Greenville and Chicago. Carlson sat down with Hanukkah Podcast to discuss how she created the mural, the history that inspired it, and her hopes for its long-term effect on the area. I live really close to where the murals are along the Chicago River and downtown Chicago. The river um, empties into to Michigan, Lake Michigan. And uh, so I was considering what, you know, along the river, what could be said or what artwork could go in this public space that would have the most meaning. And, uh, you know, I learned about the Williams B city of, Chicago case and that the Pokagon band had come back for the lakeshore that had been filled in and had lost the case in in the Supreme Court um, in 1917. But they came back for it. And I think that that is really important is, you know, when a nation comes back for their land, that that be remembered and and honored. So um, so they had a really strong case. So when I decided to put your on Potawatomi land in Potawatomi and English there, I was thinking of that particular case. Um, it's also the location is close to a Blackhawks sports memorabilia store. It's uh, the DuSable Bridges right there on uh, Michigan Avenue that has, you know, an image of a dead native man on those bridge houses. The location is, you know, across the street from Pioneer Park, where Dusabo and Kitahawa lived. It's a very important location. So um, so I decided to just make an artwork that would foreground that you're on Potawatomi land, very simply put land acknowledgement with this larger history. And I didn't do 
you're on Anishinaabe land or you're on three councils land. Um, because I felt that the with the Potawatomi coming back for that built out land, that that was a strong enough case. Had they won that court case, we wouldn't question whose land it was. It would belong to Potawatomi and the seven nations that the Potawatomi were suing on behalf of. So I, I was thinking about that also. The language of your own Potawatomi land is not in past tense. It's in present tense. It's this statement of perpetual belonging. That Chicago will always be Potawatomi. How, how did you decide on the look of it? So because that's a former shoreline that used to all be underwater, I put in kind of in the background with a line, like a horizon line of shore, um, like a seascape. And then I put these different uh, signifiers of, of Anishinaabe folks, like some beadwork mounds and stuff uh, at the bottom. I, I made sure that the color palette of the paintings that are behind the text um, would work well with like a really bold red font and color for the for the Euron Potawatomi land. I didn't want the text to get lost in the imagery. I wanted it to be bold and that you could see it across the river. When I was designing this, I was very adamant that the Potawatomi goes first, but then when it's in the public space, when it's outside, it, it kind of got lost a little bit in the trees. It uncovers itself as you walk along the, um, the river walk there. You come around the corner and then you see the, the Potawatomi language, you know, the size of a of a building, you know, it's such a remarkable real estate. It's such a huge, you know, a huge section of the river because the banners are so like 50 feet long each. So, um, and, and it's right near where the architecture tours are, where everyone gets on the boat and learns the story of, of the city of Chicago. And it's why not start a land acknowledgement there when so many people learn about Chicago there um, at that, that docking point for the the architectural tours. How long did it take you to come up with the idea and when was that? I knew right away. And so when I was asked, do you want to uh, work with these banners? I knew right away it was going to be, <laughs> it was going to be you're on Potawatomi land. Um, and that's why I said yes, is because I had an idea ready to go. Like I knew what it needed to say. It was kind of a no-brainer. It was an immediate yes. I knew what I wanted it to have on it. I knew I wanted it to have bright red text that was affirmative to Potawatomi belonging in Chicago. Um, but then, you know, the background and stuff where I was like, oh, this should be like an infinite shoreline. Um, it should kind of repair or show, show the water there instead of, instead of the buildings. So you completed it about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. When was it revealed, finally done? Um, it was like right in the heart of the the pandemic, like end of 2020, early 2021. A lot of people weren't outside then, or they were outside to, to be able to get some fresh air, but the city was still seemed kind of a little bit like a, a ghost town. My hope is that, um, that through this piece and through other public artworks, that people can't afford to be ignorant about native people anymore they they can't claim that they they're not aware that native people even exist so um so i've been trying to think of of ways where if if my work is going to engage publicly where native people see it and i disappear as the artist it doesn't matter who the artist is 
you know, it's, it's beloved and held by the community in a way where my name could disappear. It's, it's standalone um, as far as meaning for Native folks. That was part of the goal. And I like that it, it, I kind of achieved it. It's a statement of truth. What kind of feedback have you gotten from it as the artist? So it says, you know, you're on Potawatomi land. So Ojibwe and Ottawa people see that as part of the three fires or part of Anishinaabe people writ large. You know, I've been told, you know, it wasn't just the Potawatomi who were part of Chicago. And it's like, oh, yeah, but when it comes to that case and when it comes to this very particular area of Chicago, there's a history there. And if you look at traditional homelands, you know, we are, we're always shifting and there's migrations and things. But um, if you look at the the traditional before the trail of death and before like some really aggressive removal that Illinois did of Potawatomi folks, the very heart of Potawatomi land, like territory is where Chicago is located now. And of course the feedback I love the best is Potawatomi folks taking selfies in front of it or gathering around it and being so incredibly proud of it or like seeing conversations online when it's like oh can you believe that this is you know I just that stuff just feeds me I I feel like that that just makes me feel like um like it's good to be an artist and it's good to have these stages that we can make meaningful work on is there anything else that maybe you want tribal members or just everyone to know about it Yeah, I mean, if you're in Chicago, definitely come take a a selfie with it. Um, I'm hoping that going forward, that area will always be a place for Potawatomi signage and identity. That's the hope and dream that it's, it's not about me. It's about a place. It's about land. And I want Potawatomi folks, no matter where they live in diaspora, if you're in Chicago, I want you to feel like that, that that's the homeland, that that's the center, that that's, you know, a place where where Potawatomi people feel welcome. So that's the goal in the future is to, to make sure that Chicago feels like home. See a gallery of Citizen Potawatomi Nation tribal members' pictures of the banners at potawatomi.org backslash news. Find more of Andrea Carlson's work at mikinak.com. That's M-I-K-I-N-A-A-K.com. Citizen Potawatomi Nation's domestic violence program, House of Hope, filled the tribe's north and south reunion halls on the powwow grounds with vendors and breakout sessions during its new jumpstart day at the beginning of January. Domestic violence prevention specialist Kayla Woody wanted to host a different kind of community outreach event and began thinking of ideas during the coronavirus pandemic. And we were all just sitting around a table and I said, you know, I really want to try to put something together where we can pull in all of these different resources in one place so someone can come in and not have to go to multiple locations to get the things that they need. The day included 35 vendor tables as well as breakout sessions on smudging and some cultural knowledge, safety planning, and more. Approximately 50 people attended throughout the day, and House of Hope had door prizes, free haircuts, and other giveaways. Woody has worked for House of Hope for three and a half years and learned that clients rarely face domestic violence as an isolated problem. We see addiction issues, we see homelessness issues, we see health care issues. 
So it's really important to be able to talk about all of those things um, and not just focus on one particular thing. Um, and not only that, we're not just providing information, we're providing those really needed services um, like housing, um, like insurance, um, like food or clothing, um, or even just, you know, mental health um, services. Jumpstart Day brought together resources from across Pottawatomie County to help community members face those problems, including the Shawnee Public Housing Authority, Project Safe, Shawnee Bridges, Worlds Haven Sober Living House for Women, and many more. Lots, lots of different organizations, you know, parenting organizations that help with, you know, mothers who are struggling um, because that's another barrier from trying to leave an abusive relationship as children. That's, that's a huge barrier. So, um, you know, we're, we're so grateful for those organizations like Legacy Parenting and CTSA, um, you know, child care. Um, we even have the YMCA here to really teach about healthy lifestyles, um, which, which is another important area. Carrie McCoy works as a graduate success coach at Shawnee Bridges as part of its Getting Ahead program. The organization helps participants overcome poverty and achieve their goals during a 16-week financial education class. McCoy spent Jumpstart Day talking about their life-changing resource. She previously attended the program and understands the participants' struggles. Um, I'm a person who has experienced poverty myself and um, I know the psychological effects that it has on a person and how it can lead to other maladaptive coping behaviors. And um, whenever you get to the root of that problem, the psychological root of the problem uh, and, and validate someone and empower them and give them the skills and tools they need, then um, they can make a difference and totally change their life. And whenever you change one person's life, the whole entire community benefits. Woody invited Hallie Clymer from Dazzle Hair Salon located in Shawnee, Oklahoma to give free haircuts. Many people lack the money for the expensive service. Clymer gave 16 haircuts throughout the day and enjoyed helping attendees feel good about themselves. I've actually talked to one girl and she ended up shaving her head because her mom had cancer and she's like, I love it. So I did it again. So I got to hear about her story and why she likes her head shaved. And then I did my first two haircuts. I've never done like the viral TikTok butterfly haircut where you do two ponytails. So I was like, girls, let's go for it. So we did and they loved it and it was fun. Many of the vendors also appreciated the chance to network and expand their information about resources to offer their clients. Project Safe Outreach Coordinator Hannah McLaren likes offering those in need knowledge about other programs after an event like Jumpstart Day. Just being able to have other nonprofits in the community that can partner up with one another and just support each other because it's not easy and we're all walking this hard road together. So I feel like being able to rally together and provide support is super important. House of Hope's Kayla Woody also organized small breakout sessions throughout the day to reach attendees in a different way. She invited CPN Workforce Development and Social Services Re-Entry and Divisionary Lead Counselor Bert Panadol to lead two sessions about smudging, which Woody called super beneficial. HOH Domestic Violence Advocate Melody Yabara also led a session on domestic violence safety planning. 
So to always trust your instincts. Those gut instincts are there for a reason. So if you walk into a room or you get out of your car and stuff. We get a lot of family members who call us and ask what they need to do when somebody is in an intimate partner relationship and there's violence involved. One of the best things that you can do as a concerned family member or a friend is reach out for resources. So they did absolutely the best thing they could do to find out what's available, like how do they leave? How do they leave safely? Where do they go? Ibarra emphasized that each situation presents unique circumstances and there are no one-size-fits-all answers or solutions. She feels Jumpstart Day provides the educational opportunities needed to save lives. Ybarra also pointed out that domestic violence outreach and resources have grown and changed since Congress passed the Violence Against Women Act in 1994. Maybe about 20 years ago, there was no programs, there was no domestic violence programs, there was nothing. So a lot of ladies, they don't know that there's a way out and that you can get out safely and that you have support and that you have like financial assistance to help you get back on your feet. Woody plans to turn Jumpstart Day into an annual event to begin each new year with a positive impact. She believes pooling knowledge in one place and expanding the sessions to cover additional topics can help break cycles of abuse. Um, so the more that we can talk about um, domestic violence, what it looks like, um, the more that we can really connect it with other issues in the community like addiction, like mental health issues, um, like medical issues, I think the more education we can put in the community, you know, a better chance we have of really stopping the abuse before it starts. Visit CPN's House of Hope online at cpnhouseofhope.com or call 405-275-3176. Follow HOH on Facebook at CPN House of Hope. Hanukkah Podcast is produced and brought to you by Citizen Potawatomi Nation's Public Information Department. Please click the subscribe button and leave us a rating. And share the show with your family and friends. You can find CPN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potawatomi. Visit us on the web and find digital editions of the tribal newspaper at Potawatomi.org. That's P-O-T-A-W-A-T. OMI.org. Megwetch Nikanek, Mamamina. Thank you, friends. See you later.